Good morning. Welcome to worship. Welcome to everyone who's joining us online. We're glad that you're among us and connected with us, and we invite you to engage with us, of course, through worship this morning. As we gather today, we remember this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Rockford Johnson. It's a joy to serve as a senior pastor along with all of our clergy and staff and all of you in this great mission to bring redemption and hope to the world. As we gather today, the ushers here are passing connection pads. We invite you to put your name and other information on that pad so that people around you can see who you are and we can get to know each other more and better and better. And if you're here for the first time, we also have a welcome or connect card here in the, in the house and we invite you to complete one and leave it with me or one of us as you exit today and we have a gift bag for you. Uh, speaking of bags, we also have uh, bags for children, a red one and a, a blue one uh, for, for different ages, and if you need one of those, they are at the back today. Let us know how we can pray for you. Online, you can go to the website, mcfarlandumc.org, or here too, and uh, go to that prayer request button. Let us know how we can celebrate with you and pray with you about your concerns. As we gather today, uh, we have um, a forum at 1215 about denominational questions and answers, and so if you want to engage in that, you can. We will repeat that next Sunday at the uh, 9.30 slot right after the 8.30 service. It'll be the same, virtually the same forum. We also had a forum for children's ministry and young families just in this last hour, and so I just came running in from that. It was a wonderful time together as we think about how we can always do better and do more to uh, help the next generation. I'll be preaching a little bit about that today as well. Charge Conference, the annual Charge Conference business meeting of the church, uh, actually it's kind of the after business meeting, business meeting. Uh, we'll have one today with our administrative council and then we'll take care of a little bit of business next Sunday afternoon with other churches at Moore First United Methodist Church as a part of our annual Charge Conference. If you don't understand all that language, it's United Methodist speak and just ask me and I'll be glad to explain that to you. Um, nothing big is going on, it's kind of a routine thing. You can find on your bulletin the QR code, you can scan that with your phone, it'll take you to our website and you can go there, mcfarlandumc.org, about, jump in and it'll show you all kinds of things that are happening in the life of the church. Today as we gather, we have a, a special guest with us uh, who's not so much a guest. His, his spouse, Reverend Wendy Neal, is on our staff. This is Reverend Carlos Ramirez. Carlos, stand for just a moment. We welcome you today. We're glad you're among us. Many of you have met Carlos before. He works, uh, he's now doing ministry out of the conference office for us, and I consider him a friend and a colleague and I'm glad that he can lead in worship with us today. Also, um, today I just want to say a brief word, and you'll hear more in the video. Uh, J.R. Mayanga um, is one of uh, uh, the persons who's been among us as an intern. J.R. is a student at, at uh, Bright Divinity School in Fort Worth, Texas, and he's finishing his education. He's done a wonderful 
job with education. Uh, he's an excellent student, and he's finishing his education this May, and he's, also, he's now become a certified candidate in the United Methodist Church to go into ministry as the vocation of his life because God has been calling him there. And so we're excited about where he may go and where the bishop may appoint him eventually um, as he moves through this phase. And we're glad that J.R. has been among us and is among us and will be um, moving into ministry. Jared, come and say just a word for us before we get started today. Thank you, Pastor Rockford. Uh, it, it doesn't feel real, but it's happening. Uh, I remember when I came, I was so overwhelmed. I didn't know how I was going to navigate because uh, I'm coming from a very different background. I'm glad God helped me. I did not write any of my papers in French. I believe it was through your prayers and support that I made it. Um, it's been really a privilege and a blessing for me to be part of McFarlane family. I want to thank uh, all the staff, Pastor Rockford and Pastor Wendy, for allowing me to grow spiritually, and they gave me a space to learn. Um, I can't mention all the names, but I'm so grateful for each and every one of you to make this dream of mine coming true. So. May God continue to bless you as I'm taking another step in my life. I pray that you may continue to support me in your prayers as you have always did from the very first day that I came to the United States. May God continue to bless you. Thank you so much. Our missions uh, ministry is so um, robust and vibrant here at McFarland, and that all of those involved and all of you involved and all of your supporters made this kind of connection and this kind of celebration possible. We are excited about what God is up to in missions here in every way. Would you stand to sing our first hymn, which I believe is 437, This Is My Song.
invite all of you to uh, join me in our litany for a World Communion Sunday, those of us who are online as well. Today we are invited to, joy, to a joyful feast hosted by Jesus Christ. Todos los sedientos encontrarán aquí una fuente de gracia. All who thirst will find a fountain of grace here. All who are hungry will find the bread of life here. Tutti coloro che sono soli troveranno un amico qui. All who are lonely will find a friend here. Tous ceux qui sont perdus trouveront la sécurité ici. All who are lost will find safety here. Wote ambao wamekuwa wakitangatanga watapata nyumba hapa. All who have been wandering will find a home here. Todos os que estão quebrados encontrarão cura aqui. All who are broken will find healing here. For this is a heavenly banquet and you are welcome here. Let us worship God. Yeah. 
dad should not have to pray after that. Thank you, boys and girls. Let's enter into a prayer. There is joy, O oh God, as we join together in prayer this morning. There is joy in the voices that stand around us, joy in the voices that we have heard. There is joy in your creation. There is a joy in the differences in each and every one of us. As we gather together on this World Communion Sunday, let us celebrate that we are not all alike, that we have each been created uniquely, gifted differently, that we don't look the same, we don't think the same, we don't act the same, and that in each and every one of us, in each and every one of our differences, we have the opportunity to once again see you, to know you, and to better become like you. Let us hear this day, O oh God, your call in our lives to break down the barriers that stand between us, to stand up for what is right and what is just, to serve those who are hungry and who are hurting and living in poverty. For those of us who have been blessed with much, help us to open up our purse strings and share abundantly so that your creation can be how it has been intended to be. We ask, oh God, today that you will hear each and every one of our prayers, that you will bless us, that you will know us, that you will continue to love us and to forgive us and to walk with us in the paths that lead to righteousness. Bless us this day during our worship and bless our brothers and sisters around the world who gather today in your name to worship your holy creation. In Christ's name, amen. Church, let's stand and sing hymn 637, Sheaves of Summer. The choir will lead verse 1. We invite you to, to sing with us in verse 2, hymn 637.
Every Christian and every church has a role to play in living out the Great Commission to make disciples all around the world. And we want to celebrate one of our long-standing mission partners in Tanzania, Umba and Ungoy Kalongwa. Since bringing the United Methodist Church to Tanzania in 1992, they have seen congregations flourish with almost 20 churches growing in Morogoro, Dar es Salaam, the Maasai communities, and many other areas of the country. I can say that the feature, the churches are growing. I told you we started in Dar es Salaam. Now Dar es Salaam is a district. Started in Dodoma. Dodoma became also a district. We started at um, Maasai. Last year, Maasai also became a district. That now we've, we are very hopeful for the United Methodist Tanzania. Even when we retire, the church will continue. Morogoro United Methodist Church is the central hub of their ministry. And the mission has always been to invite unchurched people into a relationship with Jesus and into a faith community that truly cares for their entire well-being. From this foundation, Umba Ngoi and their team have spent the last 30 years planting churches and expanding their ministry to include elementary schools, a vocational training program, pastor's training school, medical clinic, water wells, and the list goes on. Here are just a few ways God has been working in Tanzania through the Kalongwas. Education is a key focus of their mission work because education is key to breaking the cycle of poverty. When Umba and Ngoi realized that many of the families in Morogoro lacked access to affordable education, they started a school to serve the underserved. They offer lower tuition and a scholarship program to ensure that money is no longer a barrier for families. Over the years, their hard work has established Wesley Primary School as one of the top schools in the country, where over 700 children attend each year. In fact, they are currently building one classroom each year to keep up with the growth of the school. McFarland has been supporting Wesley Primary School through the purchase of multiple school buses, providing salaries for four teachers, and scholarships for 46 students. McFarland also provides daily lunches for 236 students. These lunches are a crucial part of providing the best learning environment for children to succeed in school. You did a big job in our ministry. The buses bought by McFarland improve our school. We are supporting transportation. You are supporting food. Wesley Primary School now is among the best schools. Even the, some government officers, they came one day and they to tell, to tell us we get some congratulations for what we are doing. The Kalongwas have two other educational branches of ministry, the Pastors Training School and the Susanna Wesley Training Center. When candidates for ministry are chosen by the district superintendent, the Pastors Training School offers them a multi-year program to become local pastors and lead congregations. This school is providing a way to expand the reach of the gospel to many more people in Tanzania. The Susanna Wesley Training Center offers women the training and skills to start their own sewing businesses to support their families. This training supports women like Sangha, 
a single mother of five children who completed the program and began working at the training center. Over the years, three of her children have received scholarships to attend Wesley Primary School, and this year, one of her daughters became a proud university graduate, with two of her sisters following closely behind. What was once a dark and hopeless situation has become a beautiful story of what can happen when the church surrounds a family with love and life-changing support. The Maasai communities have also become a key ministry focus. Historically nomadic due to the constant need to find water, the Kalongwas began raising money to dig wells so that these communities could have fresh water. The Maasai have taken up permanent residence near the wells, and the Kalongwas have helped plant churches, start elementary schools, and provide in-the-field medical clinics. In addition to McFarland's financial support of the Water Well Initiatives, our support has assisted in sending the very first group of 12 Maasai girls to high school for the first time in the tribe's history. These girls' lives and futures are being changed right before our eyes. We also celebrate J.R. Mayanga, former teacher at Wesley Primary and music leader at Morogoro United Methodist Church, who is in his last year of seminary at TCU's Bright Divinity School. We have had the honor to play a small role in God's plan for Junie's life by providing financial support for seminary, and we are so excited to see where God leads him after graduation. God has changed my life in a way that I never thought that I was going to be able to live the way I'm living today. I have been served spiritually, physically, people have been there for me, and I know that's something that I'm looking forward to, to be there for the people, to serve, to give back to the community. My life, I've just surrendered to God, and the next step, I don't know, but I'm going to say yes to what God wants me to do. The Kalangwas have been faithful to bring the life-giving love of Jesus to the people of Tanzania, and our partnership has resulted in the growth of their ministry in a magnitude of ways. We're excited for God to continue to expand and deepen our partnership with them as we continue to remain faithful to our role in the Great Commission and our mission of changing lives that change the world. As we enter into this time of offering this morning, I feel like this is kind of a, an opportunity for us to see what it is that giving does. It raises the next generation of church leaders, it sends students to seminary who will be sent out to change lives wherever God leads them. And I can't help but think about those 12 Maasai girls, the first girls in their tribe to go to high school. And why are they able to do that? Because McFarland Church continues to give, to give financially so that we literally can change lives that will ultimately change the world. So as we enter into this time of giving, thank you, McFarland. Thank you very much.
Our scripture today comes from the second letter to, of Paul to Timothy in the first chapter. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did. When I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure lives in you. For this reason, I, re I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you to the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. O oh God, pour out your Spirit in our minds and in our hearts as we think about these words, as we seek to hear your word, your message, May your Spirit help us and guide us, inspire us. May we be nurtured in our faith and encouraged in our ministry. In the name and the way of Jesus, amen. Faith steals upon you like dew. Some days you wake and it is there, and like dew, it gets burned off in the rising sun of, of anxieties, ambitions, distractions. That would not be everyone's experience every day, but I think it's often our experience. Christian Wyman wrote that in his book, My Bright Abyss, Meditation of a Modern Believer. He was writing after being diagnosed with and struggling some time with life-threatening cancer. In the book, Wyman reflects honestly his intention to reclaim his faith and his struggle and his desire to rekindle faith. And you and I know that every day, in every generation, in every season of our lives, we have need to rekindle the faith, the gift of faith that God gives us. In the reading of the opening lines of the second letter to Timothy, we heard just such urging, rekindle the gift of God a reference to a calling and a gift of ministry, but also necessarily applicable to the primary gift of faith that comes before and undergirds our callings and vocations and activities. Writing as one from an older generation, the author writes to his younger protege and successor, Timothy, Timothy, who faces the realities of the next generation, or as we might say today, next-gen opportunities, perspectives, 
and challenges. I am reminded of your sincere faith, he says, your non-hypocritical, unpretentious faith, your pure trusting in God's Jesus-demonstrated faithfulness, faith. What is sincere faith, pure faith? Christian Wyman, in that same book, writes a sentence that is to me a most intriguing and insightful statement. I think it begins to answer that question. Faith, he says, is the word faith decaying into pure meaning. Well, I had to think about that. The word faith, the word faith, like all words, is only a prophetic, uh, a phonetic symbol, prophetic too. It's a phonetic symbol, a sound. So if you're Greek, you'd say pisteos. In Swahili, you would hear imani. Where's JR? Did I get that right? In Ukrainian, it's vira. And in English, of course, we hear faith. The word is a container, and if the container were to dissolve or we could see through it, then we would see what is inside the pure meaning. And what we discover is that faith is a living thing and a, an, an active reality or a dynamic, like a burning fire, or like, a, like the moving water of a stream, like a person perpetually moving toward God like a person constantly opening the door of their life, opening oneself to the voice of God, to the entry of the Spirit of God, to the Jesus-delivered invitation of God. We discover that living faith, bright and lively faith, is faith that both thinks and feels. Listen to the emotion in this scripture. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And then comes that endearing memory, that joyful remembrance. I remember that the sincere faith that lives in you was alive in previous generations, in your grandma, Lois, in your mother, Eunice, and now it lives in you. Faith lives in human containers like a lantern flame living in a glass globe, a bright and lively light shining like a brilliant treasure out of a jar of clay. Faith is the tapestry, the woven together thoughts and feelings and behaviors experienced in relationship between living beings as trust between us and God. Faith is not biological or genetic per se, but of course generational transfer 
has a part to play. What do your grandkids call you? What did you, what do you call your grandparents? It's often things like Mima or Mimi or Mimi or Mama. And in this text, the Greek word is Mame. It's that kind of sound that sounds like mama. In literature, we call that an onomatopoeia, a word that sounds like what it's trying to represent. Timothy, your grandmama was a person of truly living faith. So I have two grandmothers now deceased. Ella Schmidt, we simply call grandma and Lula Johnson Luscombe, we call Grandma Lula. Not all that creative, I think. Both were women of sincere faith, but quite different externally. Grandma was petite, never went to college, not much exposure to the wider world in her town of 300 people. Devout, devoted to the rules of her strict Mennonite church always wear long dresses and long sleeves, no cutting of women's hair, no pianos or organs in the church, no jewelry worn by women, strict about all those kinds of rules. She also believed her little denomination was the one true visible church and doubted that anyone outside that church could be a person of sincere faith. Even her own daughter, baptized and faithful and Sunday school teacher in another church, even her own grandchildren to some degree. She felt like God's love must be wider than that, but the rules were strong. She was against higher education, too dangerous. She was faithful in marriage for a lifetime, faithful to her understanding of God. But, and she was a saint of deep compassion, abundant generosity. She left the money to build the new church in part after she died. She was incomplete in understanding, but she loved God. She loved the Bible. She loved her church and her traditions. And oh, could she cook! That I still miss, of course. Grandma Lula, on the other hand, was a tall, strong presence, a woman raised in the church. She went off to college, became a teacher. We found in her belongings that she had ordered a purse early in life from Saks Fifth Avenue in New York City from her small rural Oklahoma town. She had her first child secretly before marriage, married a man who cheated on her and ran off with another woman to California, and there he was arrested as an accomplice in murder and went to Alcatraz. And she divorced him. <laughs> she later married the father of her first child and became a businesswoman and city clerk and was active in community life and was drawn to very fine clothing 
including making sure she bought new suits for her grandsons on an annual basis. Despite challenges, she was always faithful in her faith and to the church, a church pianist, a lover of various kinds of music, a serious student of the Bible, faithful to Christ in the church. Grandma Lula was not much of a cook. She paid other people's grandmas to bake our birthday cakes. I'm sure she had to repent as she passed through the pearly gates. But she was a saint of deep conviction, with room for growth, of course, but she practiced her faith. Grandma Schmidt's genuine faith was more the heartfelt, contemplative, feeling expressive kind of faith. Grandma Lula's genuine faith leaned more to thinking than feeling, more toward action than contemplation. And both, both had faith that engaged both head and heart. But one leaned one way and one the other. Both of them nurtured faith in their lives in traditional ways of worship on Sunday and Sunday night and Bible study and prayer time on Wednesday nights. Both of them rekindled their faith through prayer and Bible reading at home. Both engaged in renewal opportunities that for them sometimes took the form of a series of nightly revival services for two weeks in the summertime. For Lula, it included listening to Back to the Bible radio broadcasts by the famous Theodore Epp, whose wife grew up in our hometown in Grandma Lula's little Mennonite church. Both used the means of their generation to tend the fire of their faith. They may not have had all the distractions we have without cell phones and email and internet, but they did have grandkids in sports, though the stricter one didn't come because she thought it quite sinful the way basketball uniforms for girls and boys showed too much leg. Well, I like to think that their living faith, sincere faith, lives in me and has shaped my experience and practices of faith. Not all their external expressions, but the essence of their living faith. I tend to my faith and rekindle it through journaling and Bible reading and study and prayer like Grandma with her daily journal that she wrote all the years of her adult life. And like Grandma Lula, her use of radio and book clubs, I seek to learn and grow through podcasts and books and online books and multimedia. My way of faithing is reminiscent of both of them. I'm persuaded that the same kernel or seed of genuine faith that lived in them with God's help lives in me, and that's the key to the pure meaning of genuine faith. Faith lives in us. It's alive in us in a way similar to how you are alive in your houses, in your containers, active in your house, interacting with others, 
moving, going out to engage the world, receiving information and persons into your home, either in person or through electronic means. Faith is alive and in motion, especially in every moment that we allow time for expression of it and allow time to tend to it. And how does that work? Well, daily, weekly, annually, moment by moment, we, of course, come out of the past moment and into the present moment. And at the same time, God is showing up, stepping into that present moment and speaking some invitation into each moment. God's constant calling, speaking, makes each moment, each period of time, a moment of opportunity. And you might say, well, I don't, I don't, how do you hear God? I don't hear voices. You might struggle with that. Well, often the most likely time to have a perception of that invitation from God is while we are engaged in helping, working, ministering to the needs of others. I was hungry and you fed me, Jesus says. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. So in each moment we are moving toward God and God is moving toward us. God is always calling, gifting, giving always urging and encouraging us to make the next best choice informed by our faith and our learning. This is also true of each generation, moving out of our parents' or our grandparents' generation into the next gen, the next generation. God is already there and eager for those emerging generations to hear the good news that message delivered and lived and worked out in Jesus Christ crucified and risen, and then to respond. Faith, faith also transcends the challenges even as it adapts, needing new wineskins, as Jesus says. Fresh containers, sort of like milk moving from being packaged in glass bottles and delivered at the door in those quaint days to then being in waxboard cartons and then in plastic jugs. It's still milk, but delivered and trafficked and sold in different ways. The living core remains genuine as it travels in fresh ways. Today, as we have said, is World Communion Sunday, highlighting the common core affirmation of faith shared across the ethnic and linguistic and geopolitical landscape of planet Earth, Jesus Christ crucified and risen. But today, let's think also of faith, genuine living faith, stretching not only across spatial and distance boundaries, but over time, from one generation to another, from the world of our grandparents or parents, from our world to the world of our children and grandchildren, 
transcending and enduring from the GI and the baby boomer generations down through Generation X, shaped by the rise of the personal computer, and Generation Y, also known as millennials, of course, who were shaped by the tragedy of 9-11, the rise of the Internet, and were our first digital natives. Generation Z then, or the iGen, who are saturated with social media, social activism, social diversity, and now the emerging so-called Generation Alpha, born since 2013. And millennials are giving birth and raising Generation Alpha, more or less. And how are we doing? How are you doing? How is it going? This hanging on to genuine faith, finding it fresh, understanding the core and the dynamics of faith and faithing and passing on that fire in the belly, that earnest desire to feel, think, and know the bright, warm presence and power of faithful relationship with God. What will your children and grandchildren, no matter what age you are now, what will they say someday about grandpa's faith or grandma's faith? So at 9.40 today, we had a next-gen conversation with parents of young families talking about church and children's ministry, seeking the how of passing on genuine faith in the modern age of so much cell phone rapidity and soccer saturation, parents want and we want to help families rekindle the gift of faith and experience the power of the love of God to shape the lives of the next generation so that they will flourish and the world will flourish. Post-pandemic in this increasingly secular age where people find it harder to imagine that God might say something or do something, this increasingly overstrapped, hyper-obligated era of history, in this age, faith is easily like the dew, briefly known to be there and quickly burned off or put off or dropped off like laundry at the cleaners for someone else to do. But genuine living faith is ours to house, to nurture, and to maintain. So here are just a few key insights to genuine faith for, our age, for all ages and generations to remember and engage. First, genuine faith like a child tethered umbilically to her mother's womb is nurtured perennially by the core of the gospel. Jesus Christ raised from the dead, as the second chapter of 2 Timothy says, this is my gospel. Secondly, be encouraged because God is active, always giving, always seeking to replace our mindset of fear and doubt with a spirit, an inner reservoir of the love that has the power and the strength to build self-discipline and build the kind of faith-generated strength, capacity, and competency into our next generations, into our darlings, even at their darndest moments 
and phases and seasons. And then make the time and space to rekindle living faith in yourself and in your family. If the new easiness of churching online, whether you're here or online today, if that new easiness of churching online and in the car and at home has changed your routine from in-person worship to online mainly, and if also you feel like your faith is a little cool or a little dim or a little burned off, consider a bold rethink, a reset. Dare to feed your soul shoulder to shoulder with people in a living environment for your living faith. Yes, we may engage online faithfully, perennially, and it's great when we need it. But we all know that faith comes alive even more when we can feel the resonant sound of the singing and see the live faces around us. We all know that faith comes alive when people gather actually in a way it doesn't quite reach when it's online. You know, watching a patio fire online is not quite the same as sitting in a wonderful, cool, warm autumn breeze with friends or family gathered around and hear the crackle of the fire and dodge the smoke and slake your thirst and eat good food together, and laugh or even cry. So practice faith. Model faith. Live your faith. Rekindle your faith and trust God. Trust God to fill your child, your grandchildren, our next generation, with a spirit of powerful love and functional faith-generated discipline and wisdom for the good of family and community and church and the world. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks that you are persistent in your love and constant in your wooing us, in your invitation, in your expectation. Give us the deep spiritual ears to hear and eyes to see and will to follow. Bless our families, bless our children, bless our grandchildren, bless us all that we can be a blessing to the world as we come to the table O oh God may we experience your voice even as we experience the holy meal and may our faith be made alive and rekindled Hear our prayers in the name and the way of Jesus. Amen.
As we prepare our hearts and minds for communion, I want to remind you that this is the Lord's table. This is not my table. This is not McFarland's table. This is Jesus Christ's table. And everybody's invited to come. You don't have to be a member of this congregation or any other United Methodist congregation. Just come and partake. Uh, you can follow us on page number 12. And also we're going to be singing the responses fine on page 12. Also, if you are online, I invite you to bring your elements. And once uh, Pastor Rockford blesses them, you can partake with those around you. Christ the Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Together, merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have to be a reading church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have prevailed against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience to Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You created your, for yourself a world filled with people of all ages and nations. Blessed by your breath of life, vivid colors bloom in spring, summer breezes bring garden delight. And now, as autumn comes our way, we see the work of your paintbrush upon every face and tree. In mercy, while we were still held on the chains of our winter of pride, self-righteousness, and historic egos, you loved us steadfastly and delivered us as babes to reflect the beauty and diversity of your grace, to bring us into a community of love, hope, and peace. And so with all you people on earth and in every place where two or more are gathered in your name, and all the company of heaven who have gone before us, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry and ate with sinners. 
By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. He prayed that we might be one as he is one with you, Father, and he asked that we might be known by the love we have for one another. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so it is in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. <clears throat> Pour out your Holy Spirit on us, gathered and connected here, and on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we together as a new creation and a new community around the world may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, help the body of Christ be one. Help the left hand and the right hand work as one ministry to all the world. Help the eyes and the ears sense your presence and your coming kingdom. Bring the blessing of the diversity of the body to bear fruit until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray as Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. These are the gifts of God for the people of God, for all God's people. I invite you to come. I invite you to partake at home as we come to this holy meal. Thanks be to God.
Oh God, we give you thanks for this holy meal, for this holy moment, for your voice that comes to us, calling us. May we now be strengthened with power and love and the wisdom to follow. Bless us deeply. Take us into the world to bless the world. In the name and in the way of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together to sing our final hymn. It's number 664, sent forth by God's blessing. wonder to be led in worship by our children's choir, by the next generation. Now go, mamas and papas and grandmas and grandpas, children, and live your faith. And may the God of all hope fill you with such joy and peace in believing that hope may abound in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.